oh, my marriage is going to be doomed because he made me or she made me sign a prenup. No, that is a perfect opportunity to stop you from getting a divorce. What's up? Welcome to the You Know's Best Pod. I appreciate your support. In return, I hope I provide you with some worthwhile gems that benefit you on your journey. At the very least, I hope I put a smile on your face. If not, hopefully you share this with someone that does benefit. And I got you next time. Again, thanks for joining today. And let's get this thing going. Welcome to another episode of the You Know's Best Podcast. Uh, you can be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. So I plan to give you the whole truth, none but the truth. Well, as best I can. So help me God. Uh, today we have an amazing guest, one of my great friends. She also uh, has been a big support in me being a new father uh, from a legal standpoint over the last year and a half. Miss Carice Epps. Carice, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So Carice, um, we were already talking um, about our experiences as kids of, you know, that are uh, products of broken homes and how we, you know, we both flourish in spite of that, right? Both college educated, multiple degrees, all that stuff. Something about that made you get into this work, right? I kind of want to understand because you didn't have a, like the traditional track to being a lawyer and now you're, uh, where, where are you working now? I'm assistant general counsel at Chicago Public Schools overseeing student discipline. Okay. So like even your, your track has been very interesting. So it's full circle now. Um, I guess first background from the South Side of Chicago, I am a product of divorced parents. Love both of my parents. They did the best they could. They're, they're winning. They're two for two, okay? Mm-hmm. Had two kids. Both two kids are doing really well. I went to CPS, so Chicago Public Schools, from K through 12. Graduated, went to Northwestern. Um, once I graduated from Northwestern, I went to, I moved to Detroit, where I met a good mutual friend, and I did Teach for America. So mm-hmm. I started teaching, and I loved it. I taught fourth grade um, on, like, the east side of Detroit. Loved my kids, hated the education system, and also wanted to be paid more because teachers are severely underpaid. I was making like $32,000 a year mm. and spending money out of my pocket. $32,000? Yes. That sounds And to great. put into focus, it cost sixty grand a year to go to Northwestern. I graduated and was making half of what the tuition was. Sorry, Detroit. I got there and the city was bankrupt, so it was late. <laughs> it was really cheap. Mm. But... It just wasn't sustainable. So I ended up moving back to Chicago and I was still teaching. I taught 12th grade at a charter school. Once again, I loved my kids. Um, both of them were predominantly black schools. Loved my kids. I got to teach African-American history, mm. uh, which I was all in. You know, they don't want us to be talking about that. Though. I was so excited. I got to create the curriculum. Um, I had like bomb things for us to read. We were like drawing parallels between Tana Hasi Colts, between the road and me, because this is back in. 2015, the 2015-2016 school year, then the new Jim Crow was out. So I was like, all right, 12th grade is going to be late. They're going to be so ready when I go to college. My kids couldn't read. In 12th grade. 17, 18-year-olds could not access Between the Road and Me, which is a 6th grade text. That's tough. So that was a struggle on top of it's really popular school-to-prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. So I was working at a school that pushed our kids out the door if they did not conform. Mm-hmm to certain standards, which were prison standards. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're walking in a straight line, you have to be quiet. This is high school. Who the hell is quiet during lunch? They, I, I definitely talked to people that have talked about like how the education system or schools are like prison that teaches people to be like prisoners. And I was like, me? If I was just, that was I graduated at the top of my class, I'd have been suspended. I'd have been expelled. Yeah, yeah for sure. For just advocating for it. So they didn't teach kids how to advocate for themselves. I would challenge that. I would get in trouble. I was like, all right, I'm going to go into education policy. And it's a policy work. And I was like, all right, I'm going to law school. That makes it. 
And then when I went to law school, so I wanted to stay in Chicago, got into great law schools, got into like the best law schools in the state, but they were not giving out money. Mm. And I was not trying to go into debt. I still got, I decided to go to Loyola, amazing law school. I got um, this amazing fellowship, Child and Family Law Fellowship, um, where I got to do so much amazing work around education law. I got to work in the Child and Family Law Clinic, which is then how I kind of got to family law. So I just learned a ton and also realized there were not a lot of Black family law attorneys that could help people that look like me and you navigate this incredibly complex legal system. You know, you're making me feel bad because I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a family law attorney. Don't feel bad. You see, I I am uh, no longer there. (laughs) (laughs) But no, like, you know, I think my, my experience growing up and like seeing my parents divorce and everything, um, I used to tell my mom, I'm going to go to law school and be a child support attorney. And, um, and everybody still stuck to that when I was a kid, but like, no, I definitely commend you because it, it's hard work. I know dealing with me as a client is definitely cool. Like, um, you were, I always told you, I was like, you're not yeah. the worst. I like, feel like you're I'm not them. a bad client. Yeah. No, there's like bossy and crazy mm-hmm. and there's like bossy and passionate. Mm-hmm. And then there's like just absolutely nuts. Mm-hmm. And I will take a client that is passionate and is very invested in their case over somewhere that is absolutely nuts unrealistic, um, not doing what they're supposed to be doing, which makes my job harder. When you have a client that's like, no, I I just want to be right with my child. I just want to be in my child's life. You are throwing all your weight behind that client because you're like, no, like. Yeah. So I'll be like, it's okay. Like, Shout out to the good good parents. Yeah, stop calling yourself a difficult client because that's not difficult. For sure. Um, Yeah, so I I think the, the, the premise of having you here today was kind of to help people understand and navigate what it is to be, you know, a parent that's trying to get custody of their kid or get more time with their child and understand the in and out. Illinois is not, you know, like every state. They're mm-hmm. different. And we understand that there are different, you know, regulations and you know, policies in every state. But kind of trying to help people understand like, hey, this this isn't a uphill battle that you can't win or, you know, that you should be defeated when you started. And I, and I think, and I was talking about it, like I came in initially feeling kind of defeated. Like I was like, I'm going to just be taking the L, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fight as hard as I can to be in my son's life and, you know, understand what my rights are as a father. That's the, that's the whole basis of this show is to kind of help black men uh, understand it. But like, there's also black women that want to get back in their children's lives and for whatever reason. Uh, that you're not because, you know, things happen. We're all human. Uh, and just trying to understand, like, how do you navigate the system? What are, what are the ins and outs of that? Can you kind of explain the primary focus of family law and its, its significance in the legal system? Transparently, um, the government doesn't want to take care of your kids. The government does not want to be responsible for you and your children. Their responsibility is on you. And you know that constitutionally, mm-hmm. you have the fundamental right to raise and rear your children how you see fit with some limitations. That's like one of your fundamental rights, like education, mm-hmm. one of those fundamental rights. That's why we have all of this Supreme Court case law about around education right. and how you can raise your kids. Traditionally, the government does not want to be involved. They don't want to be responsible. Oh, it's the one thing they don't want to be involved. They don't want to be responsible for taking care of your kids, spending money on your children. Fair enough. Correct. So one is to make sure that children are taken care of. 
So there's like child welfare, mm-hmm. making sure the kids are taken care of. And they're like, it's like a best fitness that both parents are acting within the best fitness of the child. Okay. And then also that y'all are paying for this kid. And it's not the government's responsibility to pay for your child. Right. So that's like the main thing. Like, So basically, no, well, we don't want, we don't want y'all on welfare. If we don't want you on welfare, public aid, public assistance. You know where this the other parent is. Go get the money. Go get the money. That's why a lot of people are like, oh, she put me on child support. Well, she probably didn't put you on child support. She probably applied for public aid. Mm. And a part of applying for public aid, they're like, hey, if you have these kids that you're asking for what's called link now, food mm. stamps, if you're asking for Medicaid, Medicare, insurance for that, if you're asking for child care stipend, mm-hmm. the government's like, I mean, okay, cool, we got it, but where's the other person that's responsible? Give us their name, their date of birth, their social security number, and we're going to go to them first As and get should. the money first right. before you drain resources for people who might not have an additional partner. That's fair. So family law, kind of like the court system, it just kind of help you put together a plan to take care of your own kids. Because like you said, we're human. Mm-hmm. Disagreements happen. Right. People need, I'm a believer, people need rules. People need structure. I'm very much about having the rules. Let's, let's stay within the lines. And nobody needs structure more than kids. Yeah. Kids need structure and a good foundation in order to be successful. Yeah. So that's what happens with family law. For Black people, I'm like, please, y'all, let's not go to court. Let's keep our kids out of the court system. This doesn't necessarily always help us, but don't do this alone. If there, if you have a partner, man or woman, that is not contributing, yeah, you need to be yep. and I think supporting even, financially because that's expensive. And that's their burden to be if they're not supporting emotionally. Yeah, I think even on the other end of that spectrum, like, what, like if you want to be in your child's life and you don't trust the other person to let you be in the life, like, you won't, you're going to have to go through the court system. Mm-hmm. You know, like, don't leave it up to that person, emotion, their feelings day by day or whether or not you're going to see your child. Uh, me, I like to have structure to play. I think that's probably because our parents are like public service. Um, um, you see the benefit of structure. Like, you yeah. think about like when you were growing up, mm-hmm. there was a schedule, okay? I yeah. didn't have time to get in trouble because I had shit to do, a place to be. Yeah. So there was no like idle time. Yeah, for the devil's playground because I had things to do. I was at school by 7.30. We had school. After school, I had these activities. When I got home, I knew I had to do this from this time and this time. Yeah. That's how, baby, I'm sad. I'm going to sleep. Like, I guess I'm, the sun is down. Yeah, my yeah, my dad been a military and a firefighter. I could tell the difference in the structure in my life, um, like, when my parents did separate because with my dad, it was woke, woke up at a certain time, um, ate breakfast, he had to go run his errands, so that meant I was running my errands because I spent most of my time with my dad growing up um, before my parents separated because he was a firefighter. Uh, so that meant him going out and cutting lawns, whatever he had to do, and then I had to take my nap. I had to do my activities. I had practice, schoolwork. I needed that. that like, when I got home, it wasn't no watching TV. It was do your homework, uh, um, and then I had to be in bed by a very early time until I was like 13. Um... But yeah, like that, that structure led me to being a very regimented person. I didn't realize how regimented I was until the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like when I lost all my structure and it was just me left to my own devices day, day to day, um, it sent me in a spiral. So hey, you probably created your own structure. Like, all right, listen, this is what you get up and doing every day. Yeah. I used to get up every morning because my, my process was like, I would work, walk to the BART station. So I lived in Oakland, walk to BART, 
um, which was a mile away. I didn't take an Uber. I didn't take, I wasn't doing none of that. I was like, I'm going to at least get that mile in every morning. So I was up by five, out the house by five, 15, 520, at the gym, on what the train station by 545, at the gym by 620, working out in the shower by eight o'clock upstairs by, at my desk at 830 with grabbing my breakfast. So I lost all that, plus the mile walking back home every day. So like I started um, getting up in the morning, walking to BART and then running back home because it was throwing my fitness off too, because I couldn't go to the gym. Mm-hmm. But then that would be my morning. Like I would still wake up at the same time, walk, come back, work out a little bit, start doing some work. And my, and I would, and because I, I even underestimated the amount of like looking at the sun every day. And you didn't even have kids then. Yeah, I didn't so have So imagine a parents that had kids mm-hmm. and their kids couldn't go to school and they had to transition right. to virtual school. And there was no transitioning really between parents because everybody was freaking out about COVID unless you had strict things in place. So that became a huge deal. Right. And kids also need structure. They're like, I'm usually at school by now. Like, I got to see here with this computer. I can't play with my friends. I'm not able to be social. Yep. And then the primary parent is like, I got to go to work, but I also need to help the kids navigate school. Mm-hmm. So like. And you got all these little people running around your house while you're on the call. Huh? Yeah. So that just blue family law too or you had anti-vaxxer parents people who didn't believe in getting vaccines people who didn't believe in covid they wouldn't wear masks yeah uh kids couldn't get vaccinated at the time right so, so that's that's people that's were so going crazy. to court to try and get their kids vaccinated yeah and, and, and you know like before i got into this process like i really underestimated the like importance like i i, I, I was like i always want to date I want to be with somebody that, you know, shares my faith, all mm-hmm. that. But, like, the importance on, like, the very small, minute things that you kind of take for granted. Like, are you going to vaccinate my child? Are you going to do this and that? And this isn't no shade of my, this is at no point, you know, talking about my son's mother. This is really just, like, things that I've talked to different people about, like, when they're like, well, yeah, my child mom don't want to do this or my child's father don't want to do this. And I'm like, people really be having kids with people they don't know. There are a lot of questions that you don't think about until right. you get into the thick of it. Right. There's a lot of things I didn't consider until mm-hmm. um, I started family law. I was like, wait, what are we arguing about right now? There's no relief the court can give you. Yeah. The court does not care about whether your kid gets a cell phone at 10 or 13. Does not care about the social media your child has access to. Right. No. Those are things. That- it's not going to necessarily put a cap. On how many activities your kid can participate in unless it interferes with the other person's parenting time. And the judge is probably going to be like, is your kid doing well academically? And you're saying yes. Are they doing well in these four sports? And you say yes. I'm like, well, why are you in my face? Wasting my time. Wasting my time. Telling me you want to cut down your kid's sports. But I think, I mean, I think that's the pettiness thing of it, right? It's just a lot of things you don't think about that might impact your day-to-day life. Or for someone, you and me too. We, you definitely traveled a ton. I used to travel a ton. Right. And I'm pregnant with my first child. I'm me and my partner are like Congratulations. Thank you. We're like, we're not gonna be able to just pick up and pick go. up and go. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I have to do now. Like I really have to plan my trips. Like I used to be the person that was like, I'm bored. I'm gonna go out of town this weekend. Uh-huh. That ain't that no more. Like I um everything has to be within a certain confine of the time. Like even like I booked tri- trips out for like the next five months. But I also want to be able to take my baby with me. Right. Like, you might want to be able to think, like, oh, man, this would be really great mm-hmm. to take your son with you. 
Right. But it's like, okay, let me make sure that his mom is okay with it. His mom is okay with him going to Panama. Mm-hmm. It'd be a great experience for the baby to go to Panama. But then we have to think about the dangers, about the different shots a young baby will have to get going to Panama, even though it'll be great. Right. All the packing that you have to care about. Are they going to have a car seat? What type of car seat do I have to buy when I get to Panama? Take on a plane? Type of handphone they got to have the kid on? Can the kid stay for that many hours? Potential for blood clots on flights at X amount of time. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to consider. Does my kid have global entry? Because I can't tell my kid, hey, you over there, and I'm going to go through the global entry line. Yeah, no, because um, uh, my son flew down for my graduation. Uh-huh. And that was a whole ordeal, like headphones. He apparently threw a fit on the plane with his mom because uh, that was the longest time that he had to like sit still. Uh-huh. And just planning for food. Like the food part, too, is like difficult, like because... You know, being he is primarily breastfed, so like that's a whole nother ordeal. Like making sure we got enough milk, making sure we have substitutes. Like what can he eat, what he can't eat. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely something that you have to take into account. That you know, being a parent is not for the <laughs> fate of heart. It's not for somebody that is just like willy nilly because your child would be sick or hurt or something because you're not paying attention. So we got so far away from the question. Yeah, um, uh, family law has helped you mediate and put some structure. Yeah, for sure. And so that the government's not responsible for your kid. Because they not. They shouldn't be. All right. So from like, what are the main areas of family law that uh, you specialize or you specialize in uh, to deal with or or dealt with most frequently? It's all the same. It's all, it's, 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 it's all the same. It's all the same. Because I know there's divorce law. Then there's like people that ain't. Whether it's like divorce or parentage, it's all like the same thing. You guys are all, everybody's all arguing over the same thing. Divorce is more, you're arguing over splitting your assets. Mm-hmm. Totally separate. But when it just comes to kids, you're, right. you're same thing. You're just, in, in Illinois, it's, called, it's not called custody anymore. It's called allocation of parental responsibilities. And it's like the big four areas, like um, education, mm-hmm. religion, health, extracurricular activities. Okay. So the decision-making in regards to those big four areas and the separate is parenting time. Mm-hmm. How are you going to manage parenting time with your child or children. Right. So it all just falls into like the same thing. Are we going to have shared decision making where we're going to make decisions together? Um, we're going to have an equal say on where a kid goes to school. And should we come to an impasse then we're share the information like, hey, I want my kid to go to St. Ignatius or I want my kid to go to Brother Rice. What are the, those are private Catholic schools in Chicago. I only know St. Ignatius because yeah. they got like the number one DTAP. Or don't know. Yeah. Very good academically. It's all yeah, know. Yeah. Um, how much does it cost? Can we afford it? What's the benefit of my kid going to this school over this school? All right. If they don't get in here, do we go through CPS and magnet school and testing? And what does that look like? Both parents have equal say and have to have a true conversation yeah. on what this looks like. Yeah, because I'm one of the people that like you talked about going to public school. I went to public school. I'm I'm not a big advocate of private school. So like, I think that would even be an argument. Like I'm like, I want my child to have the best educational like experience and opportunities, but also understand the value of your child, like interacting with people that look like them mm-hmm. every day. Like, um, so yeah, that's even to even think about that. So that was kind of like a big issue for my parents. Mm-hmm. My mom wanted us to go to Catholic school because she was like, no, my kids are super smart. I want them to have all the, you know, best reason. My dad was like, 
I went to public school right here and I turned out just fine. Mm, jury's still out on it. Just kidding. But so that was like a big like contention of like, okay, how much does it cost? What are the benefits? What's the cost benefit analysis? Are we working purely off emotion? Is there like some logic? But then that's where a lot of people have mediation. They have mediators. You have a parenting coordinator to help you kind of like navigate that pre-decree. So before you guys have a final judgment, you'll have a guardian ad litem. The guardian ad litem will help weigh in and give the judge, you know, some recommendations like, hey, I went to this school. I went to that school. I researched the judge. Here's my recommendation. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Lester. Um, <laughs> but yeah, th- that was something even like coming here that I didn't even know was a thing. Like when uh, y'all brought it up, like, oh, you got to get a gal. And I was like, uh, who? A gal, a GAO. Yeah. Stands for guardian ad litem. Right. And then. Um, so it's the lawyer, a guardian ad litem is the lawyer that represents your child's interests. So it, it, he or she acts as basically the court's expert too. So it's the court's eyes and ears because the judge can't go and do a lot of his research. Not at all. They're relying. And then if the judge just has attorneys that represent you and the other person, mm-hmm. it's just he and she back and forth, back and forth. Mom says this, dad says this, da 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 da. Then it just comes down to credibility. Versus if you having someone who is attorney, has interviewed all parties, has interviewed collaterals, goes out into the field, right. looks into these things and can come back with a neutral recommendation. Judge like, hey. Whatever he says. Whatever she sounds says. good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think and definitely my situation it definitely calmed things down or like got us to a resolution much quicker than it probably would have. Cause you also you never wanna go into court not being the reasonable one. Right. So we would talk to you before, like, all right, we're going to let's take the reasonable position. We we also reading your judge because they're human. Right. We have a, a very well-respected black male judge in the division. Mm. It's like, even as attorney, it's like, yeah, you can go and say that crazy stuff to the judge. But me and my reputation, I will not be saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say that uh, Carice and Joe kept me out of a lot of trouble because I can't be <laughs> passionate is a good word I, I could say. Uh, I'm like, yeah, we're going to mute you mm-hmm. <laughs> and let us talk. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So all that really makes sense. And I think it's really important to know that that that's in place going into the proceedings. Like, hey, if y'all can't come to an agreement, there's going to be a third party at it. And that's and, more money out your pocket. And that third party costs money. Right. So the more litigious you are, the more it's going to cost you mm-hmm. and take money out of your pocket. That you could be spending on these kids. Yeah. And I think that's that's the other thing is like, like it would be ideal if you could just come to an agreement and move on so you can put those resources in other places, like a fund for your child for school, whatever. But sometimes it doesn't work out that way. But that's also why in Illinois, mediation is usually a mandatory first step. So before you even, the judge will even hear you or hear your arguments, have a hearing, they'll send you off to mediation. How can you narrow these issues for me? Yeah. And that kind of helped us at the like at this point that we're at now, because most of the stuff that we talked about in mediation is now part of the mm-hmm. agreement. So it's like we agree on all of these things. These right. are the small, these are the the last things that we don't agree on. The judge can weigh in mm-hmm. on this and see who's not being reasonable or what is a reasonable solution. Yeah. I always try to like, re- like I knew I had my feelings about things, but I would always like rely on y'all to like advise me because I didn't want to be like, Nah, I ain't doing that. I don't care what y'all say because I would be like, what? I got to do what? I don't want to do that. There's also this misconception too that 
dads don't have rights or there's always a default of mm-hmm. uh, that the mom gets to make all the decisions. Mm-hmm. Granted, now that I'm about to be a mom, I'm like, my body is being stretched every which way. I've been turned every which way, but loose. Having this kid. Mm-hmm. So I'm very offended if you tell me now, oh, I got to do this with my kid. I'm like, all right, you've lost her. And it's an equity-based state. The legislature overly emphasizes the importance of having both children, having both parents and the children. There is no default is going along. There's no default dad can't have time. Judges are going to go above and beyond to make sure that the non-custodial parent has as much time as possible as reasonably possible for the non-custodial parent schedule. So if you're telling me you work 16 hours a day, but you want a 50-50 schedule, I'm going to ask you to tell me how that makes sense. It doesn't. It doesn't at all. Uh, I th- and I, we we kind of know that like that helped me that I work remote and mm-hmm. like I make my own schedule. It's very beneficial when yeah. you have flexibility. Like I work remote. I have flexibility. When it's time for the kids, right now, I don't. we don't have to spend money on child care mm-hmm. because I'm at home. It's not going to impact my day-to-day work. Right. Um, all of those things are a list of factors that go into parenting time. And absent something totally egregious of like, oh, I picked up my kid and they hadn't eaten in two days. I picked up my kid and they were in soiled clothes. Right. I come pick up my kid. They have rashes and stuff. Tell me why dad or mom can't be with the kid. Yeah. You're, I'm a chronic, even alcoholics get time with their kid because there are safe, fail safes in place. There's a thing called soberly. Mm-hmm. So if you fear that your partner is drinking um, around the kids excessively or maybe drinking and driving, let's do a little, let's do a little panel test. Mm-hmm. What are their, it's called a PEP test. What's their alcohol level? Just tomorrow. Like, like on a regular, right? Like uh, it'll be random. You have to go take a pep test tomorrow. You have to take it within four four days. This pep test can tell you how crazy of a drinker you are. It can detect whether in your blood, mm-hmm. on average, you have binged 10 drinks a day. Or what is that? Y'all, y'all better stop drinking. <laughs> so much. It's not even just like that. And if you are known, so if you've had an accident, you've been under the influence of UI. The judge will immediately put you on sober link. So whenever, and that is a device where it connects to your phone and you have to blow into it. I've said that before. X amount of times, especially during your parenting time in the morning, in the afternoon, at night. Then they can add on to your car. You can't drive your car with your kids in it. Mm-hmm. If you blow into this, the car lock up. So do they have things like that in place for like uh, people that do like other substances? Because like we know that Illinois is legal to marijuana and stuff like that. Marijuana, like. They treat it just like alcohol. Okay. I don't I don't know if there is like a drug detection, but you can within twenty four hours, if there is any sus- suspicion. Suspicion or you're suspected of doing drugs, you were seen acting weird, twenty four hours you have to do a drug test. And now we'll get your parenting time suspended. Nobody wants your kids in danger. Mm-hmm. But we do understand it's important that you spend time. Even people that are incarcerated get parenting done. There's case law around that. How you get parents to you in jail? How long are you going to be here? Oh, you, you talking about, you're talking about, you're talking about Yeah. If, if I'm going to be in there for a year and a half, I get all my parenting rights terminated. Mm-hmm. Like that, so that's the rationale. Like, you still get... 
Yeah, no, I, yeah. I think so. That's not like that deemed against you. You can go to jail absent you being a child sexual abuser, right? Sexual assault. Did you did you murder a kid? Like you didn't murder your kid, so you still get parented time. I mean, right? More watch temper. <laughs> you, know, you know, take anger management classes. We'll graduate this up, but right. Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of times people just feel defeated before getting in. Y'all did a really good job of letting me know, like, I was going to fight for me and I had equal rights and all those things that kind of, like, put the battery in my back to, like, keep going. And it's also really important to give your client, hey, here is the law. This is where it's written down. Mm-hmm. Just read this for me so you can know what I'm, the confines that I'm working in. Right. So, like, I can't, I can't make your former paramour be a better parent. I can hold them responsible for 50% of the extracurricular activities. I can make sure that, you know, your kid's covered on the health insurance, whichever makes sense. I can make sure they get child support. But the social emotional things, there's no remedy for that in the court. The judge can't say, yes, kiss your kid. That's another thing, just like how you raise your kids and what, what like how you interact with your children, right? Mm-hmm. Discipline too. I, the judge can go as far as say, okay, let's not do corporal punishment. Let's not hit the kids. But can't really weigh in on like, oh, if you need timeouts. I can't say you had to discipline your child. Right. Absent of you causing some type of physical bodily injury. It makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of times people want to litigate things that just don't make sense. That the judge has no authority to rule on. Right. Well, I don't want him to wear blue. Do not care. Yeah. At all. I, I mean, I don't know. Did you deal with a, any, a lot of divorces or were you dealing with So, like, can you explain the process of, like, property division during divorce proceedings? Like, how you ensure the di- for distribution to be, I guess, equitable? Yeah, it depends on the state. Mm-hmm. So, um, Illinois um, follows an equitable division mm-hmm. of marital assets versus places like California that has community property. It's just 50-50 regardless. Mm-hmm. So remember at the top, we talk about family law. Judges aren't going to be responsible for your kids. You know who else they're not going to be responsible for? Yeah. The spouse you chose to marry. Mm-hmm. So if you are a doctor and you guys have established a lifestyle where traditionally you're operating on a joint, even back up. When you get married, people think, oh, I got, I got my account. She has her account. He has his account. We keep them separate. That's just my money. No. Once you get married, there's no my money, his money. Mm. All that money is one pot. Mm. Unless you have a prenup. Unless you have a premarital agreement, a prenuptial agreement, same thing. All that money goes into one pot. Any money earned subsequent to marriage is marital money. Yep. And then we all know that there's, well, hopefully we're not in between equal and equitable. Equal is 50-50 no matter what. Equitable is how you have things that come in like maintenance, which is what is called in Illinois, but formerly known as alimony style of support. Right. So when you get a divorce, if you have a doctor that's earning two mil a year, but then traditionally you've been married to this woman for 25 years, who's been a housewife raising your kids, Mm -hmm. you're on the hook for maintenance. I know a couple people that's on me. Because who's not going to pay for your wife that you chose to marry and create a lifestyle of $2.5 million a year? The government. Yeah. Not, not, not my problem. Yeah. So, like, 
for those who are like, you said the word prenup, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Kaito did prenup. Um, like, is like, would you suggest a prenup in most situations? Or I know we talked about this. Yes, it, because it as a black people, we have enough of the government in our business. A prenup allows you to dictate the terms of a divorce if it ever comes to that. Mm-hmm. And it also does. So I have an Essence article about this where I was quoting this because it does so much more than say, oh, my marriage is going to be doomed because he made me or she made me sign a prenup. No, that is a perfect opportunity to stop you from getting a divorce because now you're putting all your cards on the table. You're talking about all the debt you have in your name all the assets you have in your name. Right. You know what the total financial picture of what you're getting into. Right. Before you get married and you guys are bound to each other as another reference to Kanye. You are bound to this person. Yeah, no, because like every time I, like, I used to really be like, yeah, I'm going to make somebody sign a prenup. And they were like, well, you just think it's going to end. I'm like, nah. No. I just, I understand that there, I'm, the, there's a law and there that's an option for a reason to put a protection for me. But for you, I was like, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Like in prenups, if you like break certain things, then the prenup becomes null and void, right? That's it. Well, that's if you put that language in there. Yeah. And because I would always say like, if Illinois is a no fault state. Mm. If I, if you get cheated on, she get cheated on, court don't care. Facts. There's no penalty to the other person. I mean, that's what people be going to, and I, every time I see irreconcilable differences, I was like, well, somebody didn't put the policy down. No, that's blanket language. Just right. say, we don't work out no more. Right. We just have irreconcilable differences. Yeah. We, we no longer work out. This is not going to be fruitful for anybody for us to continue this union. I feel that like, is legislative language. I feel like you probably have seen like a lot of like divorces that was just like, this is just silly, but I guess y'all got it. <laughs> if that's what y'all want. Y'all love each other, but. Y'all couldn't figure out how to work through a rough patch. And I think that we don't talk a lot about the ups and downs of marriage. Michelle Obama just got so much flex. She's like, I hated Barack for a decade. You have to work through those. People change. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Why do I think when I get married, I'm going to be, my spouse is going to be the same person in 10 years, in 20 years. There's so much life that happens that you have to adjust to. When you bring kids into the picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many like articles and research about the invisible load of motherhood, about all the things that fall on women that right, wrong, or otherwise, men don't have to think about. They're not automatically, you know, wired that way, wired that way or even jumping to think about those things. I know we all see those little TikTok videos where um, the guy will go up to like the, to the couple and be like, hey, What's the name of your What's the name of your kid's best friends? Mm-hmm. Dad don't got no clue. No idea. What What's your What's your kid's dentist name? No clue. What's your kid's pediatrician? So that's an invisible load that mom is always thinking about. Right. Oh shit! It's been six months. My kid needs a dent. Needs to go to the dentist. Oh crap! It's been six months. It's time to get their eyes examined again. Brittany's birthday. Little Karen's best friend. So I got to make sure they're having a sleepover. We got to get to the birthday party. If they're on sports, it's usually moms that's putting together the snack bags. These are little things dad don't think about. Or when you get some dads, some dads don't think about. Or the non-custodial parent. You're like, oh, at school, 
This week is Spirit Week. What do we got to do? What do we have to do? My dad didn't know nothing about no Spirit Week. Like, come home like, why are you got on Mitch Mac socks? <laughs> why would your mom dress you this way? I mean, I didn't, I ain't participated in Spirit Week, but because, you know, I'm antisocial. So, so it's just all of those things that, like, this invisible love that's always being placed on the mom. Placed on the custodial so, parent, right. usually the mom, that people aren't thinking about. So that can also, that's also a big factor that comes into divorce, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a dad or another parent, like, I I was there with my kid every day. And then the GL be like, okay, well, do the teachers know you? Do they call you? Do you know um, your kid's allergies? But I want 50-50 parenting time. I want to do this. And it's like, yeah, the you know, best fit for the kids long term right. to be there all the time. And then also, there's a drawback on that too. Because then that's how you turn into like the weekend dad. And you get to be the fun dad. And then they resent them all. And they resent mom because mom is putting in all those structures during the week. And they go to dad's house. It's Friday through Sunday. They didn't went to the movies. They didn't went to Disney World. Odyssey Farmer. We had so much fun at dad's house. And we come back to mom's house and we had to do all this work. My dad's house wasn't five I mean, so yeah, that's like. My dad's house, we finna go cut some lawns. And you got, like, my mom definitely looked like I would stay up. But my dad, it's it's so like you know our situations are different. Like I had like this healthy fear of my father, right? Like that he would pull up, and it's because my mom let him come to the house when I was like ten when they, he lived there, and I got a whooping. But like there was this fear that my dad would pull up, and that kept me in place, right? Because I like I didn't have to go to the my dad's house for the fun house because it, my house. Was, Cool. I had all the video games. It was me, whatever. Uh, um, and I had my godparents and all that. But like, I knew that the dude with my name, he would, go, he would pull up on me. No, I was very blessed and as crazy as my parents were. Mm. Absolutely nuts. They were always on the same page when it came to my brother. Mm. We weren't getting, we weren't, you know, it was nothing. Because mm. it'll be like, it'll just happen. And then my dad will call and he'll know about it. I was like, how, how do you, you know? You have first picture? Like, how did you know? I thought y'all didn't even like each other. Facts. Like, that, yo, how did you yo, find out so quick? Yo, when my mom had my dad show up to the house, I was so betrayed. He don't even live here. How did he get in the house, bro? Um, But, I, you know, like. So that's a benefit of, like, healthy co-parenting of, like, right. your kids know that no matter what, y'all are on the same page. Report card pickup, my parents are rolling up together. Like, all right, we're going to talk to these teachers together, see what they got to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that stuff is important. Um, that people don't think about. We didn't got to Get a prenup. Get a prenup. Get a prenup. You Thank dictate, you for me on task. <laughs> you dictate how you divide your assets. You dictate also how you want to manage your money. Because you can, within the prenup, you can say, all right, marital money for our purposes is whatever money we put inside this joint account. Right. And then if, if we ever have a divorce, we'll split that. Whatever is in that joint account. Yeah. But that, everything else is separate. Because that's how I've always looked at it. Like, look, because I'm, I looked at it like, whatever your, t- there's a total income of the house, right? And whatever your percentage of that income is, that that's what we put in the joint account. Whatever you got outside of that, that's your, that's your money. Do, do your thing. 
but that's how like you would want to dictate it. Yeah. Some people would be like, I don't care who makes percentage. We're probably putting 50-50 inside that of this account. That sounds crazy to me. But that's how, you know, everybody can dictate the rules of their relationship, how they, yeah, they want to do it yeah. without the government involving. Yeah. But if the government does have to get involved because you don't have a prenup, it is going to be equitable. So if you overwhelmingly have 80% of the income that's coming to the house, mm-hmm. we don't we don't have to come get some of that. I'm probably about, about 30 of it. I'm probably going out of the country. Yeah, I go five. We're probably going to have to get about 30% of that. Yeah, you I know, used, to I used hell. To get, I used to get so bad when I hear about those, like, allocate, like, judgments where people like billionaires will lose like six billion out of like 10. I'll be like, bruh, what? You're not going to convince me that this woman needed six billion dollars. That's but that's how they live their standard of life. Yeah. Whatever she was doing at home, help that man to go out, help Jeff Bezos go out there mm-hmm. and do what he want to do while they got these five kids at home. And created a home where I you can you. go out and do those things. Oh, yeah. Or also, his wife also wasn't a... That means she was also working she, for the company. Was, also yeah. had a high-up position. That probably, was a different situation. Probably also sacrificed earning. And that's also something that you don't consider, like... Black mortality rate for mothers. You're giving birth to right. you guys' child. I could end up with a disability mm. where my earning potential is no longer what I can't practice law anymore. Right. So not bringing in what I used to. If we get a divorce, does that mean that I need to go be on welfare because of a decision that we made as a couple? No. That's a fair point. I don't think I've ever thought about it from that perspective. Like, I try to be conscious about, like, Black women and their bodies, but I never even thought about, like, you will be a disability because of having my child. I had a C-section versus a natural birth. Mm-hmm. Now I'm out the count for a while. Yeah. I had to heal. Then I also had to take care of this kid. What if something happens to our kid and our kid is born with a disability? Right. Which is another conversation I had before you having a kid. Yeah. So then I can't work or this parent can't work right. because somebody has to stay home and take care of our child. Yeah. It's definitely tough being a parent and navigating that stuff, whether you're married or not married, because like, I think there's like a sometimes an automatic distrust of the other parent because mm-hmm. y'all have y'all own issues that they don't have the child's best interest at heart. And you're like, I don't like, you just, you're like, you're paranoid about stuff that's like not even on the radar. Even before you get kids, what if something happens and we are living our best married, blissful life? We're in Colorado, we off the side of the road, have an accent, I get injured. Mm-hmm. Now I can't work no more. Mm-hmm. What we gonna do? Yep. We get a divorce. And you're like, well, shit. I, I mean, you got broke legs, so you paralyzed. Baby. My earning potential is now completely different, which also goes back into equity. Like, if you have a PhD versus this person has a high school diploma, what you can earn is drastically different. If you have a trade and you've been practicing electrician for 30 years, this person has been a Walgreens clerk. Earning potentials are completely different. Right. So, yeah, I can take 60% from you 
You're going to bounce back and it'll all be yours. Mm. This person won't bounce back. That's fair. So like, oh, she didn't deserve that much money. Why she getting all this money? Or they were like, oh, this baby mama is getting all this money and child's birth from this athlete. Yeah, but dad has a private jet and flies across the world whenever they want. Mom can't do that. Dad lives in somewhere up north in a multi-million dollar mansion. So when I go to dad's house, it's a mansion. But when I go to mom, I'm in the projects. How is that for that child? I mean, there's got to be a balance for sure. But I think like, I mean, to the athlete thing or like somebody on those extremes, like some that's going to end one day. Like you're not going to do that. Yeah, so hopefully you're smart with that money you're getting. Or you can go back and ask for the <laughs> Somebody, hey, we need to re rerun these numbers. Um, so when you were still practicing, like, how did you st like stay updated on changes to uh, on, like your family law regulations to ensure that your clients receive the most up to date legal advice? Aside from, I was practicing at the largest law firm in Illinois. That's like very well sure. renowned and respected. Um, Appreciate there's that. so many. In the legal field, period, you don't practice law mm. in a silo. You're not isolated. There's so much information that's currently being pumped out. Right. The legislature is always going to make sure you have the information, whether it's through a bar association. Mm -hmm. um, lawyers are required to do um, CLEs, is continued learning education, where if you're in a field every year, you have to get X amount of hours to show that you're constantly learning about all the updates that you're coming out. Whatever, wherever you usually practice, Click County is pumping that information out. Yeah. Like, hey, this just came back. This is how it's going to affect how we're ruling. Because you have to stay abreast of it. Even the judge will be like, hey, new guidelines dropped. Is your software updated? I remember y'all talking to him. Yeah, it was like, Guidelines just came out. Uh, let's try and get this a minute before yeah. this significant change comes through. Um, you're always have to. You're always learning. You're always in the know because things are always constantly changing. So the information is it's there. Mm -hmm. It's coming at you from so many different places. Um, there's so many resources, guys. I don't remember what the red book was called. But every year there's this like big ring book that gets put out with like all the updates and amendments of legislation that might be coming out. Bar associations have subgroups. So there's like family law subsection constantly being inundated with information that's coming out. They don't hide it. The ball is not being hidden at all. And yeah. if you're practicing every day as a practicing attorney. You better be up to date on it. You have no choice but to be up to date on it. So... And this is kind of going back to the beginning of the conversation. Like, if, let's say somebody is green to the situation. They don't, they don't know nothing. This is like their first kid or, uh, or their first situation, like having to reach out to a family law attorney. Like, what are like some things that they should for sure do before even like getting involved in that process? Or like just like start, about, starting the process. Like, like how to pick an attorney? Yeah. You want to interview your attorneys. Have, do those free consultations. Ask them about their practice. Ask them about their philosophy. Um, get, it's hard, but get referrals. 
referral I mean, somebody sources. did refer me to y'all. Referral sources are really good because that person tell you like, hey, I worked with this person. They did this, this, and this that I liked. So I'm like, I started off with that person. I didn't like them because they were dropping a ball here. Also, to be a client, go. It can be annoying to attorneys sometimes because you, as a lay person, you don't understand. You think every court appearance, something major is going to happen. Mm-hmm. No. Right. It's not. It's usually a status where you're just coming into court and giving the judge a bid on any progress that you've made or any discovery that you've issued. If you guys have been able to come to an agreement and the judge will give you 30 some days, all right, well, we're going to have a hearing on this. Make sure it's fully briefed. If you filed a motion, they get to respond. You get to reply. Once all those things are done within like the timelines of the rules of civil procedure, which is like the court rules. Right. Judge will have an evidentiary hearing. You bring all your evidence, exchange it with the other side. I'll weigh in based on the law. But there is so much you can do before you spend all that money getting to a contested hearing, which is so expensive. Oh, I know. So uh, big things you should know. Make sure you have an attorney that fits your personality style, okay. has a practicing philosophy that works best for you, and that you can afford. Yeah. They that, tell that, you, that affording piece. They yeah. tell you off the bat how much they charge per hour. You will be shocked at how fast an hour can go by when you don't need an attorney, you need a therapist. Get yeah. Shout out to therapists. Get a therapist, please. If you're going through this process, get a therapist because as your attorney, I'm not for a therapist. I am going to listen. I'm going to have to charge you for those two hours that you were rambling. That you were rambling about nothing I can do. There's literally nothing the court can give you to get the relief that you want. That's right. And if you have a partner that's on your case that's billing at $4.50 an hour. And an associate on a case that's really at two fifty now. We're on a conference call. That's an hour for at four fifty for the partner, two fifty for the associate. That's seven hundred dollars to just listen to you ramble when you could have just paid your forty dollar copay and went to another therapist. This is true. So it's just being conscious of those things of which the you can get a legal recourse for. Yeah, and also about you being super efficient. Are you responding to emails in a timely manner? Are you getting me the things that I need to best advocate for you? If I'm saying, hey, we were just in court. You heard the judge say we had 21 days to exchange pay subs. Where pay stuff is? You, you heard him tell me the same. So I'm asking you every five days. Hey, can you send me pay subs for the past three months? Hey, can you send us? Make, make, your, make your lawyer's job easy. Make your lawyer's job easy. And then you're not spending money because every time I see this follow-up email asking you the same question, I'm going to charge you for it. Yeah, and I think it's really that that interviewing or like knowing your attorneys Mm -hmm. is important like because you and and Joe are like a good balance for me because Joe's extremely passionate with you and he would put the battery in my back and you would like like you were relaxed. Like, but you know, like I needed that. I needed to know that people were advocating for me, but also was like going to reel me in. Like, hey, yeah, but let's, let's not, be real. Let's be real about it too. And I, I think as a man, it's very important to have like a female attorney, 
like on your case also because like she's going to give you perspective right because even though you were my attorney you would be like not you bird let's be let's be for real <laughs> like, as a black woman don't know um and you know I, and i appreciated that like even if even if in the moment i didn't necessarily appreciate it that much it was like uh, i guess you're right um but yeah so i think that's that's important um can you uh can you like share a, like a significant or a challenging family law case handled in the past how you successfully like resolved it okay interview questions they're different level of challenges right yeah um they're super emotionally taxing challenges and then they're so there I've had cases where there was one party that abused substances. Okay. That's really hard. Because especially if your appliance is a substance abuser and you're advocating for your 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 job is to advocate for your client, but then also in your mind, like I have to also be rational, reasonable, and remember that I'm doing this job in the best interest of children. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people need to keep that in mind in the best interest of other children. So people, this is not regular civil litigation, right? Right. Where there's a winner. Nobody is a winner in family law if you're hurting your kids. Big facts. The best thing you can do in family law is to work together collaboratively because you're being watched. Not by the court. By the children. By your children. They're watching they're observing, they're seeing how you're treating their mother. They're seeing how you're talking to them. They're learning how to respond when angry or when they're not getting their way. Mm-hmm. There's no winners in family law. Nope. Um, that's really challenging. Um, also things that are really challenging are when you have children that have... Um, that struggle mentally. And you have two parents who want to do their damnedest by their child, but their child suffers from anxiety, depression, um, is suicidal. That is extremely hard for an attorney to navigate and advocate for that client because you do have to put on a therapist hat like, hey, this is really hard. It's hard for everybody. Mm-hmm. We just want your kid to be good. And we're not mental health professionals. The judge is not a mental health professional. So you guys are going to have to come out of your pocket again. Get a 60410 evaluator who is a mental health professional to come up with a plan that's in the best interest of your kid. It's so much stuff like... And, like, and you, you're mad. You're sad. You're frustrated. You're emotional. Dad isn't doing this while well, mom is doing this and coddling him and doing this or not giving him medication. So it's like, that doesn't help your child. Yeah. But understanding that you're so emotionally overwhelmed because you want to help your kid. Yeah, it's tough, it's tough. So those are really hard situations. Easy cases, you got $15 million. Y'all are getting divorced. Ah, uh, who do I have? Let's split it down the middle if it makes sense. Oh, let's figure out how this is equitable. Those are the easy cases. Right. 
unless you're rich and crazy. There's a lot of rich But crazy. usually, I'm going to tell you something. Rich people don't argue over the money. They ain't about to spend no money on these lawyers. They come, like, split it in half, give her whatever she wants. Let's get this over I'm with. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Rogue people argue about the smallest things that cost so much money that make cases so difficult because you don't have the money to pay me. Mm-hmm. You want me to argue over stupid. My reputation is on the line because I'm going in front of these judges that I go before every day, not just on your case, but other cases. And if I'm arguing in this dumb position, I'm losing credibility as a professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, because that first invoice I got from y'all, I was like, it gives you that reality check. Let's reel this in. Yeah. But then it's also not a, like a speed up. Like we can't make the court move faster. Right. What we can do is help y'all come to an agreement. Facts. So we can get out of here. Definitely. But every time we have to go through this extensive discovery, we have to prepare for all these extensive hearings. We have to have these back and forth conversations with the attorney about who's not doing what. It's expensive for no reason. Yeah. I mean, expensive because you have me doing all this labor. And you got to get paid. And have to get paid for the labor that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But. Which this, is also why you switched. Schools. <laughs> it's being a family law attorney, you're always on. Yeah. So I had no work-life balance. I'm taking calls on the weekend. I'm at dinner with my family. It's people calling me. And you have to try to figure out, all right, is this an emergency? Is like the kid in danger? Even if the kid is in danger, don't call me. Call 911 because I can't do nothing. I can't do nothing. Can't do anything until 9 a.m. the court opens. Facts. Yeah, there would be times I wanted to hit you up. I was like, oh, it's late. I don't know if I should hit you something. And it'll probably be like, gee, there's nothing I can do for you right now. Yeah. Except for talk you off, like get you from going off the deep end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people underestimate like, like you want to go into the situation level-headed, but it's it's not a level-headed thing for a lot of people. Um, it's highly emotional. Right. But being highly emotional can cost you a lot of money, can cost you a lot of grief, and it also can cost you your, your time with your children. Mm-hmm. Because like, you know, I went to therapy before I started the process, right, uh, to deal with handling conflict. And I, I can only imagine like how... I would have navigated the last year or so if I didn't understand, like, to calm myself or have those tools to, like, you know, not take everything so personally or yeah. just move on. But that's also survival skill. We have to teach black children that they're going to be observing because it's life or death in this country if we're not teaching them how to appropriately respond and control their emotions when they're angry. Mm-hmm. Getting angry is not a bad thing. How you're responding to that, though, can be life or death. Yeah. Now, even even though my son is like a year, uh, when he gets upset, I'd be like, after he comes, I'm like, all right. He don't, I don't know if he understands. I'd be like, can't let our emotions control us. Control your emotions. Okay. Knows that you're okay. That there's wrong. You know, go move on. And he'd be back quiet. But, you know Somebody told me other day, like, that's the biggest thing in the world to him because he don't, he don't have no awareness of, like, bro, you just, you didn't get the food you wanted. You'll be okay. <laughs> like, Falling out. Right. 
But that's our opportunity to teach our kids like, okay, you got these emotions, you fell out. We're not going to fall out again. Mm-mm. I just be looking at them like, we done. I'm going to let you have your emotions. I'm like, you done? All right, let me know what you're doing. Uh, but, you know, shout out to my son. He's a very chill baby for the most part. I'm enjoying these moments. Um, and it go by fast. Yeah, like, I, th- I think the you... I, saw, I said that yeah. the other day. I was like, wait. Oh, my God. This time. Yeah, like, it's, it's going by so just fast. just got here. The, th- the crazy thing is, the last two months have went by so fast. Like, he got his first haircut. He's walking now. Last time he was with me, he was trying to run. I was like, bro, you could barely walk on balance two weeks ago. Like, what? <laughs> you, re- you trying to run? Um, but I can only imagine like missing those moments, right? Like how excited I am to like, oh, he can walk now. Oh, he's trying to talk. Cause I snatched his pacifier from him every time I see him. I'm like, nope, we're going to try to talk. Cause we. And wait until he starts sounding like you. Yeah. And you be like, you, you got that from me, huh? You were listening. Mm-hmm. Where did you get that phrase from? Bro, when I took him around my family. And he pouted on me. I was like, oh, you think you click. <laughs> you you don't never pout. And now you around other people you pouting? Okay. And I got to see like his personality, like mm-hmm. him being a ham. I'm like, oh, you really are my child. Like you, he like lit up and was like, he was like, oh, I get to entertain people. I was like, all right. So I know what I'm going to have to deal with. You yeah. acting out, acting out in public. You deal with a mini you, mm-hmm. um, which is cool because I get to see like what my parents are, right? And I think people need to take that into account when they're going to the into this process of like you don't get those moments back, like, and it sucked for me because I started the process being in another state. Um, Cause I was finishing my MBA program and like, I think that's also what had me very emotional about everything. Cause it was like, I don't like, I don't want to miss anything because I don't ever want him to like have a memory of me not being there. So temporary. Yeah. But it was, it was just like, but like, I enjoy it. Like even, even those mornings when I'm exhausted because I had my little routine with him of like feed him before I go before I go to sleep. But like, if I hear anything when he's here, I'm up, and then I can't go back to sleep immediately because I want to make sure he's good. And then waking up two three hours later just to you know make sure he eats and we get going and like he's up because he's ready to get up, even though I'm still exhausted. But you don't want to miss those moments, and you want to do what's best for your child because. Like, that's all that matters once that little person's here was best for them. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think you kind of answered this, but like, how do you balance like being empathetic and objective at the same time? Because I'm like, I think naturally as a lawyer, you're probably more leaning on the like objective, like rational side of things, but like having that space for the empathy for, for either side of the table. Um, my personality is already default and no nonsense and sure. Like, I'm going to love you to death, but I'm also like, all right, yeah, let's be BFFR. Like, let's be for real. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as an attorney, what is helpful is giving your clients the law. Be like, hey, we're arguing over this. This is literally what the legislator says. This is what the, this is what it says. Mm-hmm. This is what we're gonna. This is what we're operating in. This is what the judge is gonna look into. So I understand that. Oh, you might say this wasn't our standard of living. Um, he took care of himself. I took care of myself. Yeah, but y'all don't have a prenup. So I have prenups. Yeah. So all of that money. It's just one pot. And the judges are going to divide that one pot equitably. Yeah. Well, uh, Cameron so, said, and uh, you be all right. You tough. <laughs> you tough, nigga. You be all right. So, like, that's where the balance comes in. Like, I understand, like, this is incredibly hard. Yeah. You got kids that have all these needs. You have a lot of times people are living beyond their means so far beyond it. I means they have so much debt that when it comes to divorce, they're like, oh, shit. I don't got, no, I don't got enough to take care of myself. I don't have enough to take care of myself. Um, we're going to be stuck with all this debt. But then also in a divorce, what they try to do is say, yeah, these little assets y'all got are going to go to pay off this debt. And then y'all are going to be stuck with what's left. To split debt. Figure. To split it, and it's going to be scary. But it's like, it still leaves you on the upside because at least you're not drowning in this debt by yourself. You, They said, all right, y'all can't figure out what to do with the house. The house is worth 250 Put it on the market. Y'all got 250 in credit card debt. Pay it off. Pay it off. And now y'all just got your yank. Figure it out. You got a house. She also got the debt. That you ain't got to pay my for bills to no one. Mm-hmm. You, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. Go get a little second job and get a little door dash or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's, like, kind of the pros and cons. But even debt is divided equitably. I don't even know if we talked about that. If you have 250 k in debt and you're making $1.5 million and this person is making zero, that debt going to you, babes. You yeah. can pay that off. Yeah. Well, you should have been paying it off in first place. Yeah. But you can't play 50-50 because that puts you at a way better advantage. So this price is going to be upside down. That's true. All right. So, like, like let's talk about something like specific to Illinois, right? Because we, we talked about that. Okay. Uh, for our Chicago people. Like, help people understand, like, how we allocate child support. Okay, so Illinois works on guidelines. So child support guidelines, there is this formula that's put in place mm-hmm. and it takes into account the income of both parents, your gross income. Mm-hmm. So gross income is your income that you make before taxes. Right. So we're putting in what partner A makes, what partner B makes. Um, both, par- both parties are responsible for taking care of the kid. Formula spits out a number. And it also includes numbers of overnights. That's a really big thing. So if you make, both of you guys make 60K and y'all both have almost equal parenting time, child support is like zero. But if you guys both make 60K and 
let's say partner A is now a every other weekend partner. Mm-hmm. Your child support is going to be a nice chunk because partner number two has significantly more responsibility than you. Maybe we were talking about that earlier. Like, in caring for the child. Yeah. And, and it really grinds my gears when I will get a call. I'm like, oh, I wish X, Y, and Z trying to send you back for child support. It's like, okay, well, when was the last, when did you guys first get the child support order? Oh, when the kid was one. How old is the kid now? 16. You ain't making more money since you was the child boy. Even if you're, even if you're not making more money, this child has substantially greater needs. Yeah. At 16 than they did at one. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, is the kid on your health insurance? No. How much are you paying a month? Oh, $250. Well, if you don't get out of here. I can't do nothing for you, sweetheart. <laughs> like, yeah, you, yeah, no. Get off my phone. Oh, back. No. And I think that people really have a misunderstanding of child support. Mm-hmm. Um, throw my dad on the bus. He was really good saying, oh, I pay your mom child support. And I was like, I mean, I still want some ones, though, like. I don't, I don't know. I didn't see that money. And yeah, now, yeah. as an adult, I was like, Gila, he was paying $200 a week for two kids. That ain't nothing. Like, how many of my shoes? Because, like, every day it's something new with kids. Like, my mom was, we took public transportation to school. Hmm. We we're paying for that, paying for lunches because yeah. our parents made too much money. Right. So we didn't get free and reduced lunch. It might have been reduced. Uh, so we're paying for lunches every day, the extracurricular activities, um, calculators. Once you got to high school, $8,500 calculators, random fees for this, school trips, random books that we would have to buy. Clothes for school. Clothes for school because kids grow like weeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You sitting there, oh, dang, you didn't get so big. I just saw you, you know, two weekends ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what also means that that kid got big? Them pants got small. Or, or you like me, my seventh grade year, I went from wearing a seven and a half to a ten and a half in the span of one school year. And then over the summer, I went from five one to five seven. So just imagine if you're saying, oh, I pay passport. This child's whole wardrobe has to be revamped. At no fault to nobody. Mm-hmm. Or you have teenagers. How much these kids eat? I ate a lot. My mom you know used, how much these groceries are? My mom used to buy like cases of catfish. Like, <laughs> like 40 pieces of catfish because like I would eat because I was playing football I would eat a catfish sandwich in, over the summer I would eat a catfish sandwich in the morning before I go work out I would eat like whatever catfish meal in the afternoon mm-hmm. and then I would eat whatever for dinner but like and not, in hindsight now that I'm thinking about it because I like my parents my parents did hide any, a lot of stuff for me like so I was very aware of what was going on so like I do what the allocation was for child support. I knew what their divorce decree, all that stuff was. Um, so I, I knew where that money was going and I knew that money was going to a car note. But like, even that, like, you know, as a kid, you like, but I want that money, but you like, well, I, how are you going to get the football practice? Well, not even that. How was going to get to school? Cause I'm going to be real with you at high school. My high school was literally from my house, five minutes, mm-hmm. but I wasn't supposed to go to the hospital. I was going to another high school that was like five minutes away. My, I wouldn't get up to get on the bus because I was like, bro, I got to get up at 6.30. My mom had to take me to school. 
and drop me pick uh she didn't pick me up but i would take the bus back home but like pick take me to school every day when i was in middle school i told you i went to that middle school and middle school was we stayed on so like in columbus we stayed by the river my high school my middle school was like way on the other side of town like going into another city another county you know what i'm saying so that was a 30 minute drive before my mom went to work so just put it into like even perspective right now, if you are a parent that has your kid every other weekend. Mm-hmm. Which my dad had me every other week. And the primary parent is driving to and from school, two ac- extracurricular activities, making sure the kid has food for this kid that eats like crazy, taking these kids to all these sports, the supplemental snacks, taking these kids to all these doctor's appointments. If you're like me, I am blind. I can't see for nothing. Paying for these glasses that I would break. I used to be glasses, LASIK. That are not cheap. Mm-hmm. That you are shielded from to an extent. Mm-hmm. Because you know how your day-to-day is. You're just trying to get to the next day. You're just going, going, going. Right. That money is gone, babe. And it's spent on your child. Because if I'm driving your kid 30 minutes. Because we agreed to take this kid to a, a good school. But you know I live on the east side. The school is on the west side. Mm-hmm. Gas is $5 a gallon right now. No, my car don't move unless I'm picking up my... (laughs) So if you're just thinking about all this riveting running that's going for the betterment of your child... Right. ...that you are essentially shielded from, you're not not paying on the wear and tear of of that other person's body. You've come home from work exhausted, Mm -hmm. still got to cook, help with homework that you're not helping with because you're in weekend fun time. Mm-hmm. School projects ain't got any done. Oh, why my, my kid not doing well? Well, I stayed up till 3 a.m. when your kid went to sleep to finish putting the size board together. Yeah. Because I was very guilty of doing that to my mama. Oh, yeah, I was definitely asking last minute, like, I got a, uh, I need a, I got uh, a little project. Can I get a little track on board? Yeah. It, it's due tomorrow. I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. So now if he just got me at 6 30, the store about to close at 8, and oh, we got to go get oh, all these materials. Trey. You knew you needed. Like, you knew you needed all this, but that's also something that the custodial parent has to deal with on a day to day basis. That the not custodial parent is shielded from. Yeah, and you're complaining about this money, but you're not taking it to the count. The money is being spent on your child, as well as additional effort that's falling on this parent that you are not adding to. Yeah, for sure. But we we probably talk about this all day. <laughs> you know, uh, it's very. I think it's something that we're both very passionate about. But I definitely appreciate you coming on. I know you got to get home, you know, take feed that baby. Oh, my God. And go to sleep. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. But uh, if anybody needs, like, referrals for good family law attorneys, if you need, um, especially for people that are Black, let me know. I, I have you. plenty of good referrals for people that I trust to do a good job because finding a good attorney is important. Is important, and it's also not the easiest. You see all these billboards, but... That'd be cap. Not all the time, but still, like, yeah. how do you know the quality of their work? Because you're not sitting in the courtroom watching them practice. Especially if you're out of state, like I was. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. Thank y'all for joining us for another episode. Um, make sure you're being the best version of you because everybody's already taken. I uh, wish you peace, patience, understanding, knowledge, wisdom, discernment, and health, strength, resolve. Uh, remember, every action has a reaction and every choice has a consequence. Uh, so, y'all be easy or don't, but... Peace out.